heard a song, but I don't remember when. Good morning. This is the Just a Little Bit Out West podcast, and you are with me right here on the Just a Little Bit Out West podcast. And we are going to get just a little bit out west. Okay, so if you've been keeping up with me for the last six weeks, we've gone through this subject of the five tools that we need to decode the Bible. And last week we talked about this idea of God being in control. This week I want to continue on that theme, and I want to talk about how the idea of God being in control and how that impacts the reality that we can see around us. We just need to ask ourselves some basic questions to see how all of that stacks up. For instance, it seems to me like if people are supposed to be sick because God gave them that sickness, then why would they go to a doctor? Shouldn't people just accept their sickness and just enjoy their misery? I mean, because after all, it would be a sin if I was going to try to change God's will. And if God wants me to be sick, then I'm opposing his will by trying to get well. If God made me sick, then I should just wait for him to decide when I need to feel better. And if it's God's will for me to have a headache, why would I take aspirin to cover that pain? Because God's trying to teach me something by that. If you have cancer, but you believe that the cancer was given to you by God, why would you take radiation and other treatments since God gave it to you? Some people believe that God gives us these things, these sicknesses, so that while we're in the process of healing that that's going to teach us something. In the first place, if we go back to our tools, the very first tool tells us that this is not good. It's not good to be sick. So what we are saying by believing that is, is that God is doing evil in order to do something good. And this is really, this is the infection that makes all of modern Christianity schizophrenic. This idea also completely goes against what we know about science. You know, uncivilized people and people from pagan cultures also believe that spirits control sickness and that they're magical sicknesses and nobody knows where they come from. (laughs) And what we know with the discovery of microscopic germs, we learned that it's not magical. And yet, many Christians still cling to this kind of belief, thinking that God put this mysterious ailment on you for some ulterior motive or greater good. Jesus contradicts this idea in the book of Mark, the 16th chapter, 17th verse. He says, These signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name, they will cast out demons. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Okay, so why would Jesus say such a thing if God was the one who was putting the sickness on you? Why would Jesus want you to be out of God's will if God is the one who put it on you? And how can laying on of hands in the name of Jesus remove the sickness if God was the one who put it there in the first place? 
in the Bible, they there were people who even brought this idea up, and they said that the reason God could cast out sickness was because he was using the power of the devil. And so what you see is even going back to the first century that people didn't understand which side was good and which side was bad. This sovereignty of God theology basically says the same thing, except instead of saying that God's in league with the devil, they twist it and turn it around and say that the devil is in league with God. I've heard several preachers say the devil is on God's leash. But what Jesus said was, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. He continued by saying, if Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17 says that Jesus cast out the spirits with the word. He used the word. He didn't cast the spirits out by Satan. And then when he healed all of the sick, what he said was, that it might be fulfilled himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Once you get these five tools established in your mind, you begin to understand the nature of God. And in my opinion, if you understand God's nature, you're never going to misunderstand which part God has in these situations ever again. There's not one time in Scripture that shows Jesus putting sickness on somebody to teach them something. There's not one time where Jesus told someone you need to keep their sickness a little bit longer in order to accomplish some great work in their life. Think about that. Jesus never once in his ministry told someone that they should stay sick to teach them something. And if God didn't work that way in Jesus' ministry, why do we believe that he works that way in our lives? And somebody might say, well, yeah, but in the 13th chapter of Acts, Paul made somebody blind. Okay, in that story, this man is a sorcerer, and he is standing in rebellion against God. What we've talked about before is sin has consequences. They're not there to teach somebody something. He didn't make him blind to teach him something. They, he became blind because he was in rebellion against God. It's the same thing we talked about with Sodom and Gomorrah. If you want to live in death, you're going to die. All this sorcerer had to do was repent and he'd be okay because he would have turned around from death into life. This blindness came on him as a result of him planting the wrong kinds of seeds, these seeds of disobedience. And the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. When you sin, you're on that side of death. Bad. And when you're in the dark side, what happens? Things die. Blindness is a form of death. What I see in Scripture is that when you disobey God's law, there are consequences. But I don't ever see that as a punishment or as a teaching tool. If you punish somebody, it means that you are enacting vengeance or revenge on that person. Well, we know from the New Testament that our sins have been forgiven. When you sin, when you disobey God, you're not being punished. 
Punishment is judgment. And if we understand what Jesus did by his death and resurrection, judgment has been completely done away with in our life. Jesus took our judgment on himself on the cross, and he saved us from ourselves. We're not being punished. We're not being judged. We're not receiving vengeance by being burnt if you touch a hot stove. That's not judgment. That's a consequence of placing flesh in a position where flesh is not intended to be. Excessive heat is destructive to flesh. That's what it does. That's its nature. If you bring a fish out of water and expect it to live, that's like expecting to survive the consequences of your sin. You can't live in this world without God any more than a fish can survive outside of water. And if you persist in your rebellion against God, you're going to die. But not because God's punishing you. It's because you tried to live outside of your proper environment. If you put yourself in front of a truck, you're going to get run over. If you jump off of a roof, you will fall. The sorcerer, Elimus, he put himself in front of and in opposition to the will of God. Well, that's dangerous. Don't do that. That's the same thing that got Lucifer thrown out on his ear because he put himself in opposition to truth. The Bible tells us that Lucifer wanted to be his own God, and he wanted to decide for himself what is good and bad. And truth is itself. It cannot be altered without consequences. Lying is sin because it's destructive. You can't lie without getting burnt just like putting your hand into a flame. You're not being punished. It's because fire and skin cannot occupy the same space at the same time. What we learn about God and his nature is what Jesus tells us in John 14. The Spirit of God is a teacher and a comforter of his children, not punishment, not suffering. Those things are bad. Now, the world can't be taught by the Spirit because the Spirit doesn't live in them. And so what that means is, is that like an animal, they're going to have to be taught by the consequences of their actions. The carnal, this is what it says in Romans 8, verse 7 through 9, because the carnal man, normal people, pagans, heathens, people who don't like God, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God because it can't be. Those who are in the flesh, the Bible says, can't please God. There's no faith. Without faith, you can't please God, right? But you, a born-again person who's seeking God's will, you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. You're in the Spirit if God lives in you. And if you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, you're not one of God's children. I know there's this idea that people say, well, we're all God's children. Well, no, we all have the potential to be God's children. But until you give up your wicked ways, as they say, and decide that there's somebody in the universe smarter than you, until that happens, you're on your own. You're a fish trying to live out of water and you're going to die. But if you accept and understand that you aren't all that, then God says, come on in. 
the water's fine. And you can be a fish in water instead of a fish out of water. All right, that's our show for the week. I hope this brought some thoughts to your mind and and uh, made you think about a few things. Next week, we're going to talk about something that everybody wants to talk about. <laughs> Just kidding. I think we're going to talk a little bit about Job. Everybody likes to talk about Job when we come up with this subject of suffering. So next week... I'll see you right here on the Just a Little Bit Out West podcast. And we're going to get just a little bit out west.
Once again, thanks for being here, and I will see you next week. Don't forget, you can get these episodes as soon as I put them out. They're on YouTube at the Just a Little Bit Out West podcast in the unlisted folder until they're released. All right, bye-bye.